I got a story for you, a little little medical story. I know how you love that medical talk. I do. It, it gives you those flashbacks to to Nam. What were you? What were you, in? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what were you in when you did Nam? Right? Nam Normandy. What's the difference? It makes you, yeah, yeah. It gives you those flashbacks to Storm of the Beaches <laughs> of Cyprus. <laughs> a diver's worst nightmare. You know what that is? Um. Uh, scuba board? I don't know. What is it? Uh, yeah, it's a Facebook group. Probably. <laughs> it's scuba divers. Being, accidents ostr- and- being ostracized <laughs> in a Facebook group is probably a diver's current worst nightmare. Decompression sickness. <sighs> you said diver's it. worst nightmare. I don't know if it's really a diver's worst nightmare. I think DCS, you know, it, I'm not saying it's uh, a walk in the parking can definitely be potentially serious and life-threatening but there are worse things yeah agreed i mean if you had to pick between a couple of the the bad ones and dcs all day long dcs (laughs) (laughs) and especially if you get to the point of starting to understand dcs a little bit there's ways you can weigh that dcs so that it's just some pain in a joint Mm mm-hmm Versus a bubble in your brain. Yeah. Yeah, and DCS is... It's fixable. It's fixable. It's avoidable for the most part. I mean, there's there are undeserved hits, as they call them, where the people involved followed the rules or did a conservative dive and ascended safely and at a, at a nice slow rate and still got hit, but it, those are pretty rare. Right, but it can happen. And there's usually underlying there's underlying uh, issues going on there, too. So Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, that, that's a little bit of what we have today. Okay. And then I think, um, you know, this, this is a lot of the issue, like the way you and I have been presenting scuba for many years, is this is one of the issues with just blindly following that dive computer, in my opinion, and, and never being taught like how to listen to your own body yeah that you just blindly follow a a number on a computer screen and assume that it's going to keep you safe well that's what you're you're being taught now isn't it isn't that the open water and uh, uh, some of the agencies are switching over to strictly here's your dive computer when it beeps you got to come up yeah read the manual that's yeah. That's the decompression chapter of the Yeah, of I was going to say, Module 4 is basically <laughs> fill in the blank with your uh, dive computer instruction manual. And, you know, I, I just had a, a lady that went through class recently, went down and uh, did a trip down to Cozumel. Yeah. For first dive, 80 feet for 80 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> uh, put her computer into deco. Interesting. Blew off the blew off the deco stop that the computer was given locked her out on <laughs> on the dive master's recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> um, went down on dive two, same thing, eighty feet for almost eighty minutes. Dive computer went into decompression again. Uh, dive master said it can't. You can't have this much decompression time. Let's just go up. 
they hung the computer over the side of the boat yeah. to, to clear it. And she had pain in her joints hmm. and was advised not to dive the next day. But they got back in the water the day after. Yeah. And basically did the same thing again. And th- this is like her first open water dive after certification kind of thing? Yeah. Wow. In uh, Inside the wreck of uh, that, that plane shipwreck, you know, <laughs> that they got down there in Cozumel. Yeah. Four 80-foot dives. Interesting. Well, she's uh, literally she did her class, did her open water dives, and uh, a week later flew to Cozumel. And, uh, this was right out of the gate. Wow. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Welcome back to the Great Time Podcast, everybody. You're here with Safety Stop Jamesy. <laughs> and old DCS Brando. And we got a story for you about decompression sickness. You know it is a diver's worst nightmare. It is decompression sickness and flu season now, by the way. <laughs> oh, no. Is there a season for decompression sickness? Yes, there is. So this is a story from the late 90s about a diver going down, diving the beautiful reefs of southern Florida on a hot summer day, kind of like what we're going to have when I go down to Florida this weekend. It's going to be hot as hell. Nice. I love it like that. No, no. I do. This is hotter I, than the, the <laughs> I like it part. This is, this is, it's a, I've been looking at the weather. It's actually five degrees hotter than the, than H-E-double the hottest hockey you would sticks. like it level. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know when you like it, when you like it when it's nice and hot? Yes. And then it's like, wow, it's, it's really hot. Yeah. And then and it's then, uncomfortably hot. Yeah. This is a little, it's going to be a little bit hotter than that. That's perfect for me. I'm, I am Satan, of course. You do know that. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, I did my uh, my cave two in uh, late July down there, back in the day. Oh yeah, that's hot. That's, that's hot. hot time. It's hot, that's baby. hot season. Yeah. Let me set the stage for you. The day was typical for South Florida in the summer. Hot and humid, with a flat, calm sea. Perfect diving weather. Doesn't sound sounds nice, doesn't it? It does. I guess there's a difference with being summer, Florida, on the coast, 
and summer Florida and yes, northern Florida north, cave country. <laughs> north central Florida. Is a <laughs> it's different. a big difference in hot. Because when you're, at least when you're out on the the coast, you got that ocean breeze a little bit, so you can that hot air can blow at you. Yeah. Instead of the hot air just being still <laughs> around you everywhere <laughs> and being thick, you can cut it. And then you know what's really cool is when you have to put your dry suit on when it's ninety eight degrees and eighty percent humidity. Yeah, that's rough. You're soaking. You're soaking wet by the time you get in the water. Might as well just dive in a wetsuit. You're in Florida, it's ninety eight degrees out or ninety five or whatever, and it's super humid. You're suiting up into a basically a, a snowmobile suit encapsulated by a garbage bag almost, you know. <laughs> And then you're going to throw a hundred plus pounds on your back and take a little 150 yard walk to the water. <laughs> ah, cave diving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the time you get in that water, you're like, whew, got to empty out the sweat from the inside of your dry suit. Well, these guys are on a reef. Nice. They're in, they're in So Florida. So Flow. They're down in So Flow. This guy says, my wife, Susan, and I, along with some friends, boarded the charter dive boat in anticipation of a perfect day of sun and sea. All the dive gear had been checked and double-checked for safety. So they get in the water on their first dive of the day, go down to 75 feet and do a 40-minute dive, first dive of the day. Not too untypical of a of a charter boat dive. So flow. So, I mean, if you look at, most no decompression limits you're in and around that 40 minute mark for a 70 foot dive yeah yeah right u.s navy table was right there the the rdp's right there um so a 40 minute dive 70 80 feet of water not out of out of control And, and again this was from the 90s dive computers are well established by this point everybody's diving dive computers for the most part by the 90s especially on your typical typical charter boats and he says they had perfect conditions beautiful scenery and he being a little more experienced of the two you know gave a nice tour to his wife susan of all the cool little critters and fun stuff that he he loves diving down there in south florida down in soflo but he says when all the divers were back aboard the boat They moved the boat to another spot. He says, I noticed that unlike most previous trips where the second dive was shallower than the first and followed a 30-minute surface interval, the second dive was also to 75 feet. And they only did a 10-minute surface interval. Really? So they, they got to the surface, they got on the boat, they headed to a new dive site and were back ready to go in the water, switched out tanks or whatever, uh, within 10 minutes? In 10 minutes. That's pretty quick. I was going to say, that's, that's really quick. I mean, this dive, you know, for a, for a brand new diver, mm-hmm. isn't even really possible. And I know what a lot of the listeners out there are thinking. They're like, well, yeah, of course, because you're only supposed to go to 60 feet. But the real reason why is I guarantee you they can't take their kit apart and put another tank on and get it all back together within 10 minutes. But for some amazing reason, they were able to go to a second dive site within 10 minutes, very short surface interval. And now nowadays, it's very typical that that surface interval is an hour. 
Is this a, a paid for charter again? It is. But now keep it keep in mind this is early nineties. Still. When this is when this has taken place. Still. Even back then they were, you know, recommending a good sit time. I, I would agree. Uh, most operations were by this point doing hour surface intervals. Although I've I've been even recently in the last, you know, five, ten years been to Florida and been on boats where if it's like a sixty foot depth, mm-hmm. they'll blow off that hour. Okay. You know, they'll, they'll they move the boat from you know one part of the reef to another site, and it's whenever you're ready, jump in and go. Yeah, you know, they, they they just put it on the divers' shoulders. Of if you want to sit up here for an hour, go for it. If you want to jump in now, but that's for if you're doing a couple forty, fifty foot dives. But six that that multiple 60, 60 to 80, 80 foot dives for for staying you know some decent time, which a lot of new divers are doing, just on air, in the heat of the the hot SoFlo summer, sweaty and dehydrated, and that 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 takes a toll on the body. Now he says because the boat was filled with twenty other divers, we were hurried back into the water. A sneaking doubt crept into my brain, but I dismissed it. I had been on this boat numerous times without any problems. I also trusted the captain, he says. So 20 divers got up from their their dive on the boat, changed out tanks, and got back in the water in 10 minutes? Nine minutes and 57 (laughs) seconds. I don't know. Ten minutes might might not be an accurate sit time that they're giving. I mean, just just trying to herd those cats. That alone is going to waste ten minutes. Just herding them. I'm with you. I'm with you. If he's saying everybody got back on the boat, started changing out their gear, and it was a ten minute boat ride to the next dive site, and they you know hooked up and said okay, do the dive, that would sound a little more believable than a ten minute surface interval. I fully agree with yeah unless that guy's the last guy out of the water and the first guy in the water on the next one and even that's going to be a stretch yeah i mean i've been on boats where like you go to the second dive so you're like whoa that was quick yeah but you still look down at your your watch or your bottom timer you know 25 minutes we gotta gotta hang out for a while yeah plus more time went by than you thought and usually the boat captain just does a little slow little creep, knowing that he can throw a rock from dive site one to dive site two. Goes the long way. Little tour of SoFlo. There's Miami in the background, kids. A hundred yards away is the the new dive site. Take 15 minutes to get there. Yeah. Now he says Susan is a hesitant diver. Even though she passed her certification course with flying colors. Now, what do you think? It, what do you think he means when he says his wife is a hesitant diver? Would you ever call your wife a hesitant diver? I probably. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning she's not uh, super eager to be the first one in the water, kind of thing. So a little hesitant, a little nervous. Doesn't do it all the time. So you know, the little standoffish and getting ready yeah. and making sure that everything's okay. So anyone that's doing something they don't do all the time and it's really important to get it right, they are going to be a little hesitant getting ready and, and even doing the, accomplishing that task, whatever that task is. Yeah, lo- lots of hesitant. I would I would say my wife is a hesitant diver, especially early on in the, in the trip. Right. 
Yeah, once they get going. You know, a couple of years ago, we were down in Florida and had a similar experience of you know getting out on a on a boat, and we only had a couple days available to us for diving. And I went to see a friend of mine that was working down there. Got on the boat, and we we're going out to the old Spiegel Grove, and it was you know her first dive in a while. I was really hoping to just to get her some, you know, shallow little dive on molasses reef or something, you know, where we could just play around 30 feet of water. But that's not where the boat was going, you know. So she was very hesitant. So we just took a nice, real slow, easy descent, you know, tried to stay as shallow as possible. But it was intimidating for her. So she was a bit hesitant. But then like this girl here, Susan, he says, after the second dive, however, she was ecstatic. I had seldom seen her so excited. She had never been that deep before and couldn't stop talking about what she had seen and experienced. So she's an excited diver. There's nothing wrong with that. Just did a couple of cool, kick-ass, deep dives and so flow for the, <laughs> for the young, young lass. Now he says, at home, my son and I began to clean the gear. Susan went to shower and prepared dinner as our dive buddies would be arriving very soon. And a while later, she came outside and asked me if lunch had upset my stomach as well. Yeah. And he says, I immediately suspected a problem. Yeah. Well, is upset stomach like a key sign of decompression sickness? It's not really. I mean, can it be part of decompression sickness? Probably, but... It's not like uh, the classic joint pain, numbness, tingling. Well, he says, as a sheriff's department deputy assigned to the dive (laughs) rescue team. Here we go. I knew nausea is a symptom of decompression sickness, also known as the bends. (laughs) Here we go. Enough said. He's... He says, I began to run through the symptom checklist and asked her if she had any pain in her joints. And she replied that she had pains in her neck and her shoulder. And they're called my husband and kids. (laughs) (laughs) I thought she was going to say her butt, but. (laughs) I thought thought it. I didn't think it was DCS. I thought I was having a teenager and and a a lackluster marriage for 10 years. No, he says, I called the Dan emergency number, and the man who answered recommended I take my wife to the hospital. <laughs> Easier said than done, he says. She tends to be stubborn. She refused to go until dinner was over and the kitchen was clean. Only after talking to her boss, he says, an orthopedic surgeon and very accomplished diver, were we able to convince her to go to the emergency room. So at the emergency room, I told the nurse, because <laughs> remember, he's a sheriff's department deputy assigned to the dire rescue team. I told the nurse, listen, nurse, I suspect decompression sickness, and Susan needs to be on oxygen immediately. I know. I would have kind of yeah, said yeah. the same thing. I don't know if I would have said it in that manner. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Um, excuse me, I am a deputy <laughs> dive sheriff. rescue sheriff. Now I need my wife. Put your hands up. <laughs> I am a deputy sheriff 
and you <laughs> up against the wall. Spread them. I have a deputy sheriff, and Susan needs to be on oxygen. Yeah, oxygen. Oxygen is never going to be a bad decision. Not with the diving incident, for not, sure. Not, yeah. po- not post-diving. Yes, I mean, exactly. it, oxygen's never going to be a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Agreed. If you're smoking, maybe if you're smoking. <laughs> yeah. That's a bad idea. If you're, if you're at the bonfire. Yes. Maybe not. Yeah, leave that. If you're in 70 feet of water still, it's probably not a good idea. But after the dive on the surface, if you don't feel right, I mean, oxygen's never going to be a bad idea. Right. So he says, the nurse's reply was a very curt, that's the doctor's decision. Oh, that just <laughs> pissed that sheriff right off. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you see this badge? Mm-hmm. Do you think I wore the sheriff's department dive team T-shirt because it's the only one I have? <laughs> no, I have six this of them. Happens to be <laughs> the nurse, though. Said, "Hey, don't tell me what to do. I'm the nurse here. It's the doctor's decision because everybody knows it's the doctor is always right." And the doctor is always right. Now, the nurse took Susan to the bowels of the emergency room, he says, and he was banished to the waiting room. No place for a deputy sheriff to be. They're hanging out with just the normal people. And after two and a half hours, he was finally allowed to see Susan, who had just moments before been put on oxygen. Really? After after two, two and, and a half, half hours. Uh, well, Doctor Doctor Feely was, was <laughs> evaluating in, in, <laughs> evaluating the, the patient. He said, he says she told me that the doctor had rubbed her chest and said he didn't feel any bubbles there. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> wait, wait. Those this might bubbles. be a bubble. Wait, this might be a bubble. Hang on. <laughs> You've got these two oh. bubbles here. Oh, a, you might have another bubble over here. I mean, <laughs> let me feel. This is wait. This these. I'm checking to see if these are bubbles, ma'am. Yeah, those are not bubbles, Doc. <laughs> what medical what, school what, what, did you go to? You find out he wasn't the doc at all. He's just uh, <laughs> housekeeping. <laughs> right. This is uh... old Jimmy, who's 16. He got a he got a job as housekeeping at the hospital. <laughs> Doc wasn't in. Doc left his lab coat sitting there. So explore career fields. Right. Old Jimmy. Jimmy's there. Old Jimmy. <laughs> we should apologize to all the Jimmys. Probably like, what? <laughs> is, does my name, is it my name that makes me a, a pervert, a leech, <laughs> whatever? No, no. It's the fact that you have your pants down <laughs> and are feeling this woman's chest you for have bubbles. Just a lab coat to, on. <laughs> yeah, because you have just a lab coat and nothing else on. Mm-hmm. Check for bubbles. That's what, that's what makes you a pervert, checking for bubbles. Now, subcutaneous emphysema is, is like bubbles trapped up near like your collarbone area and right. they make a little crinkly noise that you can feel with your hands, but that's more of an overexpansion in, injury. Right, and it, it clearly sounds like the, 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 the doc doesn't know what he's looking for as far as dive, dive medicine goes. Yeah. He, old Dr. Feely knows the love medicine. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't so much know the dive medicine. Some kind of bubbles, but not others. <laughs> yes. He's, he does have his bubble stick out. You know what I mean? <laughs> his wand. He's, he's wand. looking. He's looking. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. That's that's like a pretty big mistake or leaving something out. If a dive injury, even if you're not versed in dive medicine, you should at least know that. I mean, the very basics right. as an yeah, ER doc. It, right? I would hope so. In yeah. so Especially flow. In so flow. Yeah. yeah. Now, he said, again, he says he didn't, he rubbed her around, didn't feel any bubbles. But he says he also took x-rays and told her he couldn't see any bubbles. Well, he might mean I didn't see any, you know, escaped gas from your lungs. I don't know if this doc is looking for a pneumothorax, you know, something to that effect, which there are other indicators. But she didn't seem to have any difficulty breathing at all. You can look at her pulse ox. I mean. Right. So, I mean, he does almost three hours of examination. Yeah. Well, the other thing, these docs, you know, if they're not familiar with dive medicine, and they do a pulse ox on her, which is basically that little thing they clip on the finger to determine oxygen content in your bloodstream. Right. If that's fine, they won't put you on O2, which I've, I've actually had this discussion working in an emergency room with other doctors where you have to explain to them it's you're trying to increase a gradient <laughs> so that right. you can get a bubble out you know filtered into the lungs and out the out the breathing but yes yeah, some docs don't get that they look at that oxygen content they're they're saying she's she's oxygenated her blood's carrying oxygen fine it's at 99 or 100 percent why would we put oxygen in there and then you have to explain to them what the, what's going on right right because the the physiology for a diver post couple of dives with some mistakes is different from just you know karen walking into the right emergency room saying hey doc feel my chest for bubbles well so this doctor after having a phone call with susan's boss the orthopedic surgeon and experienced diver then calling up the divers alert network <laughs> uh, immediately changed his uh, feelings about just rubbing her chest and feeling for bubbles and immediately sent them to the nearest hyperbaric chamber. And Susan ended up having numerous treatments. That just shows you he knew nothing of dive medicine. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So right. he was maybe, you know, like I say, looking for subcutaneous emphysema or a pneumothorax, which are not the bends. Oh, I think he was looking for something. <laughs> I think I uh, Susan. I think Susan was uh, a bit of a looker, and uh, he was like, "Hey, uh, it's a little pain in the chest, chestal area." You really don't like this, Doctor Feely, do you? Poor Susan. I feel bad for Susan. Well, of course, she's. Uh, I don't know if we call this an undeserved hit or not. Well, so let's look at that a little bit. So he says. According to the doctor who took over her treatment, himself being an accomplished and experienced diver, he says, Susan was a victim of decompression sickness caused by two primary factors. First, she has a heart condition known as mitral valve prolapse, which is common. Susan had also been on a medication known as tenormin, which controlled her condition and allowed her to do aerobic training and other normal activities. And this medication, which is a, it's a type of blood pressure medication. He says this medication apparently made her susceptible to nitrogen. The other major factor, of course, was two deep dives with an inadequate surface interval. Susan had also been on a medication known as tenormin. 
which controlled her condition and allowed her to do aerobic training and other normal activities. This medication apparently made her susceptible to nitrogen. The other major factor, of course, was two deep dives with an inadequate surface interval. So they say that mitral valve prolapse, Brando, Mm -hmm. is a heart condition. And they mentioned that it's more common in women than men. It's sexist. And it's basically, uh, it's basically, it is very, very sexist, but it's basically it's a, a leaky I'm canceling heart. it. I'm canceling MVP. Yeah, you're not allowed to have MVP anymore. That is sexist. It's sexless. It's sexist. It's genderist. We're done with it. We'll no longer talk about it. But it's basically a leaky heart valve. Yes. Prolapse means that the flap on that valve is folded a little bit or, or not sealing correctly. So the blood goes, you know, it's in between the atria and the ventricle, which the atria is, uh, and it's the left side. So the atria is um, a little a little compartment, and the ventricle is the big, more powerful compartment. Yeah, the big one that basically pumps that blood through the whole out body. into your body, right? Right. Out, out through the, of, you know, the aorta and to the body, but that's the, the main pump. And what's happening is that valve's a little leaky, so you, you have the risk of, it actually regurgitating back into the atrium, and that's where things get really bad. So she's on a medication to help reduce that, and, and by changing either the 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 actual heart rate or the blood pressure, this medication's working on doing. So, and I don't know how that reacts to the nitrogen itself, but I could see that if if, if it's changing the actual flow of blood, she could be not getting rid of the nitrogen as well. So like, it could be a contributing factor to this DCS. Yeah, it's definitely a bradycardia, which just means a slower heart rate, is a side effect of this medication. And it's probably also what helps the patient be able to uh, participate in aerobic exercises and whatnot because it uh, keeps the heart from pumping too fast, which would cause yeah, even more yeah. backflow through that prolapse valve. Yeah, they say that MVP can cause, you know, not divers, but just people in general to to have that excited heart rate, which makes them think they're having heart attacks, which is probably why they first went in to find out that they had it. Because a lot of people, this goes undiagnosed for a lot of their life, you know, but they get, you know, panic attacks, you know, which they think are heart attacks just from from this built up pressure. But anyways, you throw that. I mean, this is what I read. Right, you throw that on top of a new diver, inexperienced, on top of hot so flow dehydration, right, on top of two deep dives back to back, on top of very little surface interval, on top of what you don't read, which is in the mid nineties, people were barely doing a safety stop, if anything. Yeah, it was uh I mean, it had been introduced, but it wasn't common practice. Yeah, sixty feet per minute ascent rates were the normal, norm. mm-hmm. and those were often exceeded by carelessness. You know, that, which is one of the reasons why everybody started slowing things down to that thirty feet per minute. Because if you do thirty and you exceed it, but to you know forty, fifty. Yeah. Is way better than doing it 60 and exceeding it, it to, to 90. You know, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, they used to do, you know, the old stay below your, your smallest bubble, which is still at Ultimate. like 200 feet a minute when you, <laughs> they did a, they did a little timing study on that and found, ah, uh, that's not really a good rule. 
that's not really a good little axiom to to tell your students to stay below your your smallest bubble as you ascend. Remember the uh, the early decompression tool that we had as divers, the little plastic bubbles. <laughs> remember remember yeah. the buddy the buddy yes. bubbles. Yes. It was a little thing you kept in your mm-hmm. BCD pocket. You pull it out and you pop. Let your buddy pla- bubbles pla- go. You plas- pop the little plastic bubble out, and it would float to the surface. And you were supposed to go slower than the bubble, you know, just yeah. stay that speed of the little plastic Buddy ball floating to the surface. <laughs> I forget what they were called. It was something like that. They they came in two colors for fresh water and salt water. Oh, nice, nice. Thirty nine ninety nine bubble. <laughs> it was going to save your life. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Right, and I would say that the other main contributing factor is the fact that her understanding of decompression is you know a page and a half yeah of her open water man in large letters with with big pictures on, on that page and a half right and and don't go faster than your smallest bubbles to the surface you know the the whole slowly ascend from every dive campaign like in the early 90s was ju- really just getting going even you know that and that combined with the mvp the medication for the MVP, the hot, humid summer in southern Florida. I mean, there's a lot going on that I think the the big picture for a lot of people out there listening, a lot of new divers especially listening, is just because that computer says go to the surface, right? Just because you programmed your your gradient factor of the week in there, <laughs> right? There's more to making an ascent than just following the number on a digital computer. Right. And in this case, I would say there's there's more to dive planning and the way you conduct your dives and, you know, following just the generic rules that you learned in Open Water 101. I mean, this person has an underlying condition and she's taking medication. And I'm sure it wasn't ever brought up to, to her, hey, you may want to think about being on a much more conservative dive schedule than the average Joe Blow right. or Jane Blow or whoever. I mean, that's how I would I would be looking at this. If it were me, myself, I'd be saying this to myself. If this were my student, I would say, hey, you know, you're on this medication. You have this, this health condition. Now, this, to me, any kind of uh, cardiac condition is uh, something I look into with the student. Wouldn't you, as an open water instructor, talk yeah, to them? Yeah, your doctor said... You're good to go, but, but there's a difference in doctors. Obviously, we learned Dr. Feely Obviously, doesn't know Dr. a damn thing. <laughs> yeah, do you got Dr. Feely or yeah. you got Jimmy the yeah. Jimmy the <laughs> housekeeping wearing a lab coat? There's a there's a lot of different doctor opinions you can get out there. And then being able to take that and balance it out with a knowledgeable dive instructor yes. to say, okay, yeah, you are allowed to go diving, but I mean, you're not just gonna come to the surface, right? just short of a beep on your computer you gotta you gotta put more thinking into it you have to be a thinking diver not a programmed follow my computer diver yes you're gonna have to dive conservatively that's that's all that comes down to now he says in the story the lessons learned from this experience include being careful about any medication you may be taking on a routine basis discuss any medication with a doctor experienced with diving 
and its hazards. There's key right there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Not just Dr. Feely at the, the, the clinic. Yes. I mean, I've had to ed- educate doctors on dive medicine, even my short degree of dive medicine knowledge. It, it doesn't go with the normal stuff. It is a little specialized because the mechanism and, and the physiology are unique. They're not like being here on the surface. Yeah, right. Every other recreation, probably any doctor can figure it out. Yeah, and to the lay doctor, meaning the average doc coming out of med school that doesn't deal with dive medicine, they would look at it, you're breathing underwater, you could, you know, they've probably heard of the bends, not entirely sure what they are, or if they did touch on them in medical school, it was briefly. I mean, even as a paramedic, and dive in um, military medic school, we talked about dive injuries. Yeah, but you're hitting the bullet yeah. points, right? I mean, it's, I mean, there's diving doctors there's hyperbaric medicine researchers that that still have question oh, yeah. marks well, about it right so to to think that just a, <laughs> a guy that just got out of med school is going to know how to react yeah exactly and i guess what i'm getting is just putting a little exclamation emphasis yeah. bold letters on yeah i'm with you if you're on these medications if you have a condition especially a cardiac condition or a lung condition these are these things that are directly related to to diving and, and impacting on your diving, talk to a diving physician about it, not just your own physician. Correct, yeah. He says, never dismiss any concerns about surface intervals and depths, and never let anyone else determine when and how deep you should dive. If you are on a charter dive boat and are not comfortable with what is being done, don't do it. Take responsibility for your safety. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big takeaway here is like just following the dive master along and just assuming that you're going to be okay because the dive master is saying, let's go do the dive. Right. And that's, you know, the, the issue that the, the gal I was telling you about early on had, she's like, well, I mean, the dive master said, let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. I, I think that's something that's not brought up in many classes. The uh, idea that you are in charge of you now, you, you are responsible for you. So if, even if that dive master does say, hey, we're jumping into whatever, 90 feet, 80 feet, 70 feet, if you don't want to do it, don't do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, pe- people need to have more responsibility with themselves mm-hmm. in their diving. And, and there needs to be a way in their education mm-hmm. that gives them that tool to take a little bit more ownership of the, of that dive plan. And when they get out onto a dive boat, to be able to say comfortably, not as like, oh, you're a, you're yeah. a weenie. Ah, you're a loser <laughs> for messing up the dive plan. Right? Sure. There needs to be a little bit more acceptance in the fact that I can go, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. It, you just spent all my class Dude, telling me I shouldn't <laughs> be doing this. Yet on dive one, you're, you're taking me to do the a complete opposite of what you just spent this whole class well, telling it, me not to do. The thing too, James, is the reason people don't feel comfortable doing that is they don't really have a, a solid understanding. You know that. Out of the class, they have right. no they're, solid they're, understanding of what's going on. So they And they've been taught, this is the dive master. He's going to help you out or she's going to help you out. This They're going to... Listen right, to you got to, which is where I keep going back to is when you get your open water card, you are certified to follow the dive master in thirty feet in thirty feet of water, not eighty, not a hundred. Really are? <laughs> no, definitely not, definitely not. 
He says, know the symptoms of decompression sickness and be alert to signs of any problems. If you must go to the hospital, do not let them keep you from the treatment you know is correct. And if necessary, go to another hospital. He says, because of Susan's bout with DCS, she can no longer dive below 35 feet and must use a different medication for her heart condition. But here in South Florida, he says, the shallow dives are usually the best dives. And I know we still have many more years of diving to come. Well, I'd agree. Shallow dives are fun. A lot less worry. Yeah. A lot less worry. A lot safer. Um, And especially if you just, just have that basic certification. You know, that's the place to be and that's the place to build up the experience so that you can learn to understand your body. And that, I mean, that's one of the things that experience gives you is many, many dives over many, many years on many different days and different conditions of days and weather and, and nutrition and hydration and all these different things your body's exposed to. And how you feel exiting the dive from one dive to another, you learn that over a long period of time. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, the emphasis is on knowing yourself and knowing what the hell's going on and, and acting accordingly. But be aware, you know, that always goes back to awareness, James, the uh, aware of what's going on with you. As well as what's going on with everybody else in the water, but be aware of what's going on with you when you're diving. Well, hey, everybody, that was a great dive. Not so much for Susan. It was a great dive for Dr. Feely. AKA Jimmy from Housekeeping. Again, I I just, I I don't put a lot of blame on, on, anybody there so much as it's it's just illustrative of what's what the reality of uh having decompression sickness is which is you know if you're on medication if you have cardiac condition a lung condition you need to know how this stuff works with diving and don't expect that that lay doctor that lay person doctor uh in the er is going to know anything about dive medicine. Yeah. You got to be looking out for yourself and don't expect your dive table and dive computer <laughs> to be a hundred percent fail yeah, safe. The, listening to the beeps is, I don't know. It's one of the big weaknesses that are, uh, it's happening throughout the dive community because it's easy. That's what's being taught is just rely on your dive computer. Don't, you don't have to understand tables or you don't even really need to understand decompression sickness. Just, no, just just don't let right. this go into the yellow or red right. zone. Don't and make you'll it be go fine. beep beep beep, and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, right, right. All right, let's sign these logbooks. Is that are you? <laughs> are you wearing a lab coat? <laughs> is that all you have on? Is a lab coat? What are you doing? <laughs> yes, don't mind my lab coat, <laughs> and we're just gonna feel around here for some bubbles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is uh. Brando, is, is, do you think this, feel this right here, is this a bubble? Think this is a bubble right here? Could be a bubble. <laughs> it's going to take further examination. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Safe diving.
Bye. 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 Bye.